Earbuds, we've got a special limited time offer just for you. When you pre-order My Drunk Kitchen Holidays, not only do you get an awesome book, duh, that's by me, but we have a limited number of the Hannah Hart, No Kid Hungry, William Sonoma spatulas that we will send your way. They're adorable. It's a little rainbow MDK spatula. It's very, very cute, and it will help you savor and celebrate your year. So here's what you have to do. One, go to hannahhart.com and order your book. Two, upload your receipt at bit.ly slash mdkhpod. Thank you so much, everybody. There's only a limited number of spatulas available, so please go check it out. I'll let you enjoy this amazing episode. Bum ba bum. Okay, bye. Hello, 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 earbuds. It is I, Hannah Gelb. Yes. I'm sorry I've been gone so much. It has been so hard for me and Hannah Hart to get together because she is so busy and important, but I've really missed being on the show. So I am so happy to be here today. Fabs, our wonderful producer and angel from heaven, is also (laughs) here. We're going to be answering your questions. Yay! How are you? Busy. It's been busy. I am a poor man's Hannah Hart today, but that's because her schedule is so busy and she's on set right now, then going to be promoting her new book. So that is busy for Hannah Hart, but has also been busy for Fabs. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's been nice. Pish, pish, pish. You are not the poor man's <laughs> anything. You are just fabulous fabs our bean grower thank you (laughs) yes 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 and you've been traveling the world that's right i got back from my trip i had a lovely time i have decided that i don't care how long it takes if it takes 100 years i am going to gain the job skills the language skills whatever it takes for europe to want me because those are my peeps and let me tell you why Remember, oh my gosh, when we, when Hannah Hart and I were talking to the lovely lady who wrote the book all about the Enneagram, she said American culture is like a three Mm. society, Mm -hmm. like a very thinking. Yes. Like what you produce gives you your worth. Right, 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 right. And I feel like Europe is like not that at all because everyone seems to have time every single day of the week to sit in a cafe for like 45 hours and just talk to each other. Yeah. Or sleep or and, take uh, naps. <laughs> or take naps. And that's what I want to do. Me with too. Life. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I feel like I am, des- my body physically is designed for waking up and working and then eating lunch and then sleeping for three hours and then hanging out with some friends and then doing a little more work if I feel like it. Oh my God. Fabs, will you marry me? That is yes. exactly what I. <laughs> want as well. I, literally, like every day at work, like 12 to 3. I'm yeah. like, why do we yeah. keep trying to make people do things at this time of day? I'm telling you people, it is not, it's it is not just working. not okay. I totally agree. It's not okay. Well, let's fucking, you know, under the Tuscan sun, the shit out of this. <laughs> just, just yeah, go, I'm here, I'm here for villa. it. I'm here. And you know, you don't have to get, that's your American way of thinking. That's like, I have to get learn the language and make myself beneficial to this people group. It's like really in Europe, they don't need any of that from you. They just are happy to have you. Just show up, man. They'll take you. (laughs) They'll take you as you are. Oh my 
my gosh. How beautiful. I know. Okay. I Yay. know. Well, I'm looking. Okay. Well, I feel very encouraged now. So yeah, just, just do it, man. <laughs> just move to Europe. My mom, you can go live with my mom. She lives in France. She's always looking for roommates. Oh my God. Done and done. I have a happy update for everybody. I have a new supervisor at work and a whole new team. And it has made a universe of difference. And I am so sad that I spent so much time beating myself up all the time for being lazy and not wanting to do anything and blah, 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 blah. And hey, guys, turns out when you're really depressed and you don't like the people you work with, it's really hard to do anything and get work done. And it feels so different now. So I'm still, you know, trying to find my place in the world, obviously, but I'm feeling much happier in my work life. So that's like Hannah Gow, a billion that's amazing. percent improvement. That's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I love hearing that. Oh my gosh, that makes me really happy. Oh, good. Yay. 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 Let's bust out the patron questions. And earbuds, you can also contribute questions to our Q&A with earbuds. If you too become a patron, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not yes. as good at a Santa heart as the little spiel. <laughs> <laughs> but you bring a very a sweet, earnest quality, which I really enjoy. <laughs> I love our patrons. I love getting to listen to their chats in the Discord and look at the conversations that are happening. And I love when they send in their questions. It's been truly delightful. Oh, yay. Yeah. You know, I'm actually full of conflict today because I'm like, okay, so I'm trying to do a good job now because I care about what my supervisor thinks now, which is new. And she's like, does really hard work and is very encouraging and helpful. So I'm like, oh my God, I have to do a good job. So now all this mental energy is going to my job, which was (laughs) never the case before. So I've definitely not been as attentive to the earbuds and our Patreon and our Twitter and everything. So this weekend, I really want to try and like figure out how to map out making time for, yeah. for everything. Yeah, it's hard. It is. Oh, God, it's really hard. I have a question for you, Hannah Gelb, from our patrons. Oh, yes. What is it? Uh, one of these patrons said that they love Sailor Moon 2 and they want to know what's your favorite season one to four. Oh, my gosh. What an interesting question. I'm very curious about the fact they did not include season five. See, I wasn't sure if that was because there wasn't a season five, but it sounds like there is a season five. (laughs) And they just. There is a season five. And many people say that is their favorite season. Gosh, this is really hard. This is like trying to pick my favorite European city that I went to. And I just love them all. Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. I really enjoyed like season three. I feel like everyone is between three and five. But I, I gotta say, I'm really enjoying four. I love four, everybody. And I feel like that might be disappointing to some people because traditionally it's not a very popular season because Chibiusa is in it a lot. But I think the humor is great. I love the bad guys. I love the music. The animation is top notch. If you don't like that season, I suggest rewatching it. (laughs) Now that I'm in my mid to late 30s, (laughs) I see Chibiusa with like new eyes. I kind of have an appreciation for her that I didn't have before. Great. I mean, I know nothing about Sailor Moon, which I know is shocking and inappropriate, but I love hearing you talk about it. (laughs) Oh, yay. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Also, a small update. There is this new person in my office who also is a Sailor Moon fan. And she's really cool. And she just started. And she has this really interesting background. And I think I might be in love with her, but I don't want to freak her out. So I'm trying to like, (laughs) 
like we talked to each other on Slack, you know, like, and she's like, oh, I noticed you have a Sailor Moon icon. That's cool. Do you like Sailor Moon? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep it normal. Yeah. Me and me and one of my friends have like an expression for that when we call it when you crazy clown someone. It happens most <laughs> when you're dealing with somebody who's like, doesn't give you a lot back, like isn't super responsive visually and what will happen Mm -hmm. is like you'll be like hi how are you and they'll be like fine and if you're especially if you're just meeting them it's really easy to crazy clown which is you just kind of start going bigger and bigger and bigger so like the worst time this ever happened to me it happened to me with a girl at a party and I was like hi I'm Babs whatever you know she told me your name and I was like you have really great hair and she gave me nothing like nothing and I'm (laughs) I love hair so the minute I said it, I was like, mm, maybe that's inappropriate. Maybe it's weird. But instead of a normal person reaction, which would have been to like receive her signals and walk away, I totally crazy clowned her. And I was like, hey, it's not like I'm like obsessed with your hair. You know, I'm not going to like come into your room and cut it off at night. <laughs> you know, and then I'm like laughing and she's giving me nothing. Like she's just like looking at me like I'm, I don't know, like a crazy person. So and again, I just keep getting bigger. I was like, hey, I'm not like hitting on you or anything. This is, this doesn't have to be weird. And she just like stood there staring at me and then finally goes, I'm going to go get a brownie. And she walked away. It was awful. But I do that all the time. Oh me and my friend call it crazy oh. clowning. It's like you just, for some reason, this weird thing I have inside that's like, surely I can get this person to laugh with me if I just go a little bit bigger. Fabs, oh, no. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm hard. with you. I I have never heard that phrase before, but I do that all the time. Uh, and totally it's just understand. a certain kind of person that really brings it out in you, you know. And like sometimes I'll find myself like tap dancing or singing in really inappropriate situations because <laughs> I'm trying so hard to like get them to come with me, you know. Right. That's so interesting. It's hard. It's such an interesting need to arise. I, I know. totally know what you mean. I yes. was like, no, I need to. You are cool and I like you and I need you to affirm. I need you to like. Right. Yeah. I said all kinds of crazy stuff. I was like, and she also went to the University of Appalachia. So I wanted to be like, oh, my God, I lived in North Carolina once. <laughs> she was just very cool. Just cool as a cucumber. Oh, see, that's was like, my oh. Achilles heel. It's my kryptonite right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. I was like, I saw on your little paragraph that uh, you like podcasts. Oh, I have a podcast. Hey, hey. Anyway, you seem really cool. And if you tune in, you'll hear me talking about how I'm trying not to be obsessed with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Oh, God. What if she starts listening? Oh, God. <laughs> Oh. Okay, well, you know, the jig is up. What else? Um, so <laughs> okay. good things all around at work happening. <laughs> That's great. It's great news. It's great news. Until you get like a restraining order. It's great news. Right, right. Until I get an email that's like, dear Hanukkah, we need to discuss your inappropriate behavior and perhaps dis- <laughs> uh, discuss uh, what is appropriate in the workplace. And blah, 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 blah. Mm, okay, next patron question. What is your favorite book and why? Is there a book you hated in high school when you were younger that you came back to and now like? I can't tell you what book I hated in high school and I still hate. And that is The Great Gatsby. What? What? How could you hate The Great Gatsby? Oh my God, Fabs. Oh, no. It is so boring. Oh, no, so what? Boring. It's so it's so beautiful. It's short too. It's not even it's not even like a long read. Oh my gosh, I'm so, f- I, I think you're the first person I've talked to in like a decade who likes the book. This is so interesting. Wait, okay, so do you, who, who are your favorite characters in The Great Gatsby? Oh my gosh, I, I, 
that that's I think what I like about the Great Gatsby is they're all kind of like gross in a way, you know, but like Okay, see that's what I don't like about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like books where people feel like they do in real life, which is complicated and like they make bad choices and I like it when there's not like somebody who's like I don't like hero villain books. You know what I mean? I like mm. I like real people. And which is also mm. why I like Game of mm-hmm. Thrones because it's like Someone looks like a villain, but then you get to know them and they really just are effed up themselves. And it's like, oh man, this is just hard life, you know? Catsby, I think I, yeah, the, the characters are a little bit all whiny. I think what I did like about it is like the, the writing style. And I think I met oh, it, okay. I met the book at a time in life where I was just learning that I loved words. And so it's kind of how I felt when I read like Grapes of Wrath, where it was just like, I would just slow down and like read a sentence and be like, oh my gosh, like, how did you put those words together in that order Mm -hmm. and make that Mm -hmm. thing? So it wasn't necessarily like I loved the story or the characters. It was more like I was at a time in life where I was going to be, I was going to like anything I read that was like well-written versus now I just read things for like 12-year-olds. I won't read anything that's like... (laughs) Nothing with compound sentences for me. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) There's just Um, so much good paranormal YA out there. I mean, why would I read anything else? Yeah, Um, man, YA. It's like, give me a romance or a bromance and I am here for it. As long as it's not like going to have a sad ending or like a weird thing happen. I just, I need my, (laughs) I need my fiction these days, like as escapist as possible, you know? Mm, oh my god yes absolutely I guess you know I think I'm not it's not even so much that I dislike the great Gatsby it's that I just feel like the whole curriculum in middle school and high school is set up in this way that literally makes everyone hate reading and I just think everyone should be encouraged to read things that make them want to read and like love to read and like you know I did love to read but like Oh man, see, just, I just those the, that those some of those books just felt like such a chore, and I the, feel like yeah. these, those are still the books that everyone has to fucking well, read. I know every goddamn year. I and know all about white guys, and mm. it's always like all quiet on the Western Front, like Lord of the Flies. Okay, that is a good book, but again, all white dudes, like hardly any women. Mm. The Great Gatsby, fucking of mice and men. It's like, can we get so some? Good. People I know, I know. But, but yeah, didn't you read like, we read like Toni Morrison in high school. Toni Morrison was the first time I like loved, loved, loved words. She and John Steinbeck were like the foundation of why I ended up going to study English at university. Because oh, she's so good. Oh but gosh. we read her. We read a little Maya Angelou. You know, I, w- I did go to like the whitest high school in the world. So I, <laughs> it's hard to say how our cultural lens was laid over such things. But <laughs> See, I love all those books you read in high school. I think because nowadays I don't read anything that's like actually well written. So I miss, <laughs> I miss like respecting writers. I miss the feeling of respecting a writer. Well, you know what? When the world and writers deserve to be respected, then you'll <laughs> go back. I'm sure you will, Fabs. This is just a tough time. You know, that's interesting. I just finished Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon which is you my gave favorite. To Hart. Yes. It, oh my god it was stunning isn't it stunning oh man one of my favorite books to get back on topic a little bit is actually east of eden which i think i've read like 10 times okay i'm a hardcore steinbeck fan but i have never read east of eden which i know is horrible but it's because it didn't get me in the right 
uh, season of life. So now that I only read YA, it's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> East of Eden. I have no room for you. I have to learn about these dragons and these princesses. <laughs> what if I print out each chapter individually <laughs> and like mail them to you one a month? So you can just like, break it down into bite-sized pieces. Oh, Fabs, I think you would love it. I'm sure I, I would. Yeah, it's just my brain has gotten a little lazy, you know? It's hard to engage your brain when it's just working all day. I know. (laughs) I know, right? It's so true. I'm trying to think of some of my other favorites. I mean, I love, 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 love. I love pretty much everything Robin McKinley ever wrote. Mm -hmm, Sure. Deerskin and Beauty. I love White Oleander. I love The Hours. Oh, man. I remember when I read Tale of Two Cities, I was actually. True story. I didn't even read it. I read the Cliff Notes version or whatever, the short version. But I was so upset at the end of it that like I couldn't sleep. And I had to go down to my parents' room to be comforted because I was beside myself sobbing. <laughs> and the same thing happened to me actually when I read Lord of the Rings. And there's so mm-hmm. many words in that book. So please understand that when I say <laughs> I read it, I mean, I skipped all the parts that were like pages and pages of description of like a tree. <laughs> At the end of the second book, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but there's a very dramatic incident. And I couldn't go on. I was literally like another friend of mine and I were reading it. She had already read it. And so I was talking to her about it and I was like, I'm done. And I was like crying. And I was like, I'm not reading the third book. I can't go on. And she was like, you are like Frodo. You have to go on. You have to go on, Babs. So I continued reading oh my and, learned, gosh. and learned the good things. Wow, what a helpful friend. Are you a four? Wait a minute. No, I'm a five, but I have a strong four wing. I'm a five with a strong oh, four wing. Oh, okay. So well, I have five, all of the yeah. feelings or none of the feelings. Oh, oh okay. I can shut I, them oh, off that. when I'm in work mode and mm. then I can turn them on when I want to. That's like, I wish I could do that. Yeah, it's that five. <laughs> you got to tap into that five wing. I we, tap we fives. Five. We can just like suppress oh it, you know? Oh, okay. God, there's so much work to do. (laughs) Another question for you from a patron, which is, how's your banjo coming along? Oh, my goodness. Okay, this is kind of a huge story, which I don't know if we have time to go into. I actually spent all this time yesterday in therapy talking about banjo because, you know, okay, so in therapy, I'm talking about how I have a really hard time separating myself from people Like I'm so codependent. Like when I was on my trip and I was with my friend, I got into this space where I was like, oh my God, what if he's like not having a good time and he's so sad that he was going on this trip with me and I'm ruining everything. And like, I could not even enjoy myself for like a portion of this trip that I've been looking forward to for literally a year because I was so obsessed with what he was thinking about me and like imagining how I appeared to him through his eyes and like all this like bullshit i was like i just i cannot fucking live like this anymore so anyways i went to my first banjo lesson in quite a long time it was fine but then again i found myself like not even concentrating on my experience and the lesson itself i was just like oh my god what if my teacher thinks i suck and he hates me and i'm so weird and crazy and also crazy clowning him like all the time because he doesn't doesn't (laughs) give me anything and um and also, you know, he's a dude and he's really good at the banjo. So I have like a banjo crush on him. And right. then I, was, I was just like, God, I am so fucking tired of this. I am. I feel like all of my relationships with men who are not close friends, you know, or family are like this. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's just like this, like, am I cute? Do I have your approval? Mm. Like, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then so anyways, 
So Banjo's tough, guys. Because <laughs> like, afterwards, I went in all like, do, 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 do. Oh, my gosh. Yay. La, 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 Banjo. And then afterwards, I was like, I suck. Hmm. I am the worst. Oh, no. The worst. And I don't deserve to go to the Santa Barbara Fiddlers Festival. Uh, I'm not good enough. I don't practice enough. And like, everyone hates me. <laughs> like, oh, just, gosh. Like, Ugh, gosh, I don't even, I don't even know. I'm working on it, I guess. I'm working on it. Yeah, it sounds like the band is really... My life is to just experience life and be present. And I'm the one who's fucking paying him money. If anything, he should be thinking all those things. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Sometimes I have like counseling clients and I can tell they're like trying to say the thing to make me happy or like they don't want to let, they're like trying to hide something from me. And I'm just like, hey, you're paying me. I don't work for anybody else. I have no other agenda. There's absolutely i'm the only person in their life who there really is no consequence for how or what they say in those space with me but even in that space they can't let go of the need to make sure i'm comfortable and it's like wow man that is just Mm, a hard way to live you know yeah well and i feel like people who don't need therapy are the people who don't do that like i feel like everyone i know who goes to therapy says the same thing they're like man i keep I just keep trying to like make my therapist happy and I want them to feel good. And yeah. Like, yeah. That's why yeah. we're in therapy because yeah. we have a fucking problem. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I know. We have a problem Ugh. masquerading as like this virtue, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's not it good. Is, it does it's not good, guys. A virtue, yeah. Well, I think you should just keep playing that banjo until you play all that codependency right out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to make an enamel pin and put it on my banjo case. It's going to say, plan all that codependency out. Thank you, Fabs. Oh, my God. I love it. Okay, our next question here is for Hannah Hart, who is not with us. But I kept the question because the question is, will you do another book tour for MDK, My Drink Kitchen, holidays? And I'm going to answer for Hannah Hart and tell you that part of the reason she's not on this podcast right now is because she's preparing for just such a tour. And you can buy tickets and go and see her at hannahhart.com. And you should do that ASAP because it's going to be awesome. She's got some special guests along the way. And I don't think I'm allowed to announce them yet. But I think they're going to be announced soon. And they're awesome. So like for sure, New York, Boston folks, get out there and go to the tour. Oh my God, yes. That's the end of my little. Especially if you have not actually seen Hannah Hart in person. She might be a little shorter than you imagine. <laughs> she's she is such like a delight. She has a lot of feelings packed into a tiny, a tiny compact frame. <laughs> she does. Um, yes. She does. She is a delight. Last week, uh, Pam, she was talking to Pam Ribbon, and then I was like, oh my God, does this mean I'm literally two degrees separated from Lynn manuel Miranda? Wait, how? Is that how it works? How? Because she was the writer of Moana. Oh, and yeah, yeah, wrote the totally. music. Well, here's what I was thinking when I was listening to that episode, that I don't know, I've crazy clowned Pam Ribbon so many times because the way she feels about <laughs> Hannah Hart is the way I feel about her. And I've met her a couple of times. And every time I've been like, play cool, Fabs, play cool. And then I've been like, ah! <laughs> like not been able, <laughs> even by email when I'm emailing with her about the podcast, I just cannot, I just can't hold it together. I'm just such a fan. She's, I can't wait for you to meet her because in person, she's like this in audio too, but she is just very smart and like with it and an amazing, like I've been on a couple of panels with her, not been on the panel. I've been like moderating the panel, you know, and Mm -hmm. she is just, man, she is very impressive. Very like just great at her job. Yeah. I'm I'm a little bit of a fangirl. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, and she just had such a wonderful energy like even through the audio. And it's so funny that you, I think me and Hannah both thought, wow, this person reminds me of me a little bit Uh (laughs) because I just, yeah, I just feel like we're like on the same vibe kind of. Yes. And and then I felt it's just so cool. Also, I feel so excited to be in my 40s also because I'm like, oh, never mind. Your 40s are cool. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) For real. She is very inspiring in so many ways. Wait, wait, your reference to Lynn is a perfect segue to our next question. Who do you think would, or who would you want to compose your life's musical score? (laughs) Oh my God. Well, I have a couple names in mind for the musical about my life. Number one is A Noble Potato. Okay, wait, have you thought about this previously? Uh, Well, I always, for some reason, I always think, you know how like for a while everyone was thinking of like, oh, that would be a good band. And then it was like, oh, that would be a good Tumblr. And now it's like, oh, that would be a good memoir. Like Uh whenever I hear phrases, I think that would be a good memoir. So I think a noble potato would be a good name for the memoir. So maybe the, okay, weirdly, I feel like a combo, Lin-Manuel and Fiona Apple. (laughs) Okay. Wow. I would love to see that combo in action. Because isn't that an interesting... Di- I feel like Fiona Apple is just... Oh, my God. I just can't uh, imagine we, them working together. Well, that's why it would be so great. Um, <laughs> I would crazy clown Fiona Apple for sure. She is such a badass. Like, she lives so much on her own terms. I love yeah, her music. Yeah. I love how angry and sad she is. I I would, like, love that combination of anger and sadness and, like, wry humor and then just Lin Manuel's like human sunshine aspect coming in. So I feel yeah. like I, I can be very sunshiny and also like full of despair. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see that. I see that in you. You know. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I see that combo there. But okay, Fabs, you are the person who loves musicals and auditions for musicals. So please <laughs> tell me who you uh, would want to I write would your musical audition. Definitely want Jason Robert Brown to write my musical. First of all, because he's the most talented musical composer alive. And second of all, because, oh my gosh, like his lyrics, if you have not listened to the last five years, I recommend you just spend the rest of your day listening to it because I don't know how <laughs> he's so able to capture in, in both his musicality and his lyrics, the sensations of being a human and make it not cheesy at all. It's like so accurate. I just think he is amazing. Wait, what's his name? Jason Robert Brown. I don't even. Fabs, I'm so ashamed. I do not even know who this person is. What did he write? That's okay. He wrote Songs for New World, Parade, which is a great musical. My favorite, which is The Last Five Years, which they actually turned into a movie with Anna Kendrick. And the movie's okay, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's a hard thing to translate because, yeah, Mm -hmm. well, whatever. You'll understand when you watch it. But it's like a a story (laughs) of this couple and it's told from both their perspectives. But for one of them, it starts at the end of the relationship. And for one of them, it starts at the beginning of the relationship and they meet in the middle. And the only song they sing together is the song where they're getting married. And then they go the other way on the other side. And so it's like devastating because you're starting this relationship with one of them who's so happy and the other one who is so not happy. And I also love it for the same Mm -hmm. reason I love books, which is like, the characters, when you start, because you're hearing 
her perspective of white ended towards the beginning, you're like, he's a jerk. But then as it goes on, you're like, Mm. oh my gosh, I see how this relationship just disintegrated and it's so sad. Mm -hmm, And I feel mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I like the way for my musical life, it's very important to me that someone is able to capture like what emotions really feel like. Because I feel like that's always the hardest thing for me about being alive is sensations like sadness or loneliness. When people talk about them or write about them or make movies about them, they look romantic. And maybe the four in you feels the romance of feelings like that, but I do not. I think they mm-hmm. are feel awful. And so I think he is able to capture that oh. feeling that's like, this isn't romantic and it's not sweet. It's life. Oh, Dang. Yeah, he's very good. In a three-minute song? Yeah, I know. I can't wait for you to listen. I'm going to send you some links as soon as we're done here. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. I can't wait. Okay, wait. Another question for you, Hannah Gelb, which this may predate me, this question, but how is your ADHD diagnosis journey going? Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, it's pretty much in the same place as it has been for the past three to four years. (laughs) (laughs) There are times still when I think, God, do I have ADHD? But I just feel like when I'm feeling confident, I don't have those problems. Right, right. I don't know. I, I just I re- I just still really struggle with, I just really cannot, I do not know if I have ADHD or if I just have these issues that are the result of anxiety and depression and spiraling thinking and all these things. Because right. You know, like since I got back, I've been feeling really good and my job has been really pleasant and it's like really busy. But I don't know. I don't feel like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I get anything done? Why can't I do this? It's just like that really comes up with depression. But I don't know. Like, I feel very possible. It's very possible. And then, okay, when I was on my trip, I felt a little shamed because, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) me and Brian, me and Brian, oh, my God. Whatever, his name is Brian. It's fine. Uh, me and my friend Brian, <laughs> we were on a hike and we're just very different. And like, I would be like, oh my gosh, that's a cool rock. And then like, look at the rock <laughs> for a while. And then he interpreted that as like me being very scatterbrained. And I was like, well, I don't think I'm scatterbrained. I just, I enjoy things very deeply. <laughs> but I don't think like being distracted by a really cool butterfly like necessarily means, oh, wow, like you're so disorganized. I don't know. Right. But then again, who knows? He could be totally well, right. It sounds like you've kind of reached the end of your ADHD diagnosis journey, but you're still walking on the path because you don't want anyone around you to feel bad for thinking that you shouldn't be on that path. I mean, I don't I don't know. I, I, I really I'm just I, I just wish there was like a little f- like phone booth type of thing you could go into and it could like you stick your hand in and then it's like you have ADHD. Right. Totally. <laughs> totally. I used to wish that about depression. Like when I first was meeting yeah. with my therapist and she was like, hey, I think you have depression. I was like, hey, can you I'm sorry. Can we see the test results? Like, I just want to yeah. know because also I have hard things going on in my life. And how do you know if it's that or the chemistry in my brain? And I get that it's a combo. But like, why can't we do that? Why can't we just <laughs> take a blood test? and figure it out right so many things yeah. right and she's like hey i think you have depression you're like hey why don't you go fuck off <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she'd be like well that's a symptom of your depression <laughs> i'd be like oh. <laughs> she's like that's really interesting let's explore this reaction <laughs> yeah, totally. to, to me tell saying me more about what you mean depression <laughs> <laughs> oh therapist 
<sighs> Indeed. Okay, last question here is a good one, I think. I feel so honored that you're just asking me questions. Well, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this one is I'm for, so fancy. This, this one is for both of us, but you specifically, because you're the host that they sent the question into, not me. But I'm going to answer okay. anyway, because <laughs> that's what I do. Yay. It says, have a question about dating and emotional intimacy with others. Do you have any advice on being vulnerable and letting your guard down when getting to know someone? Okay, I have two answers. Here's my second one. (laughs) (laughs) My second one is to be very mindful when you're interacting with a person that you think you are interested in. Because if you're mindful, you'll notice the thoughts and reactions and patterns come up that are your defense mechanisms, possibly, that want you to be safe. My first answer is I have no fucking idea because I have literally not dated since last Thanksgiving. I deal with this issue every day. (laughs) And like right now, I know a person and I'm like, well, why don't you just like that person? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I'm like, well, you never I do think you shouldn't ever have to talk yourself into liking someone. Right. But when are you trying to force yourself to like someone and when are you just being completely closed off? Right. Right. It's It's hard to know what's like patterns inside of you versus what's a reaction to the person you're talking to. You know, it's hard to pick Mm -hmm. up on like, oh, am I shut down around this person because I struggle with being shut down or because there's something about them I'm picking up on that leads me to shut down. You know, that's a hard question. Right, 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 right. But when you first meet somebody, it's like, hey... 10 years into marriage, you're going to have to force yourself to like them. So like my philosophy is like, let's not do that right now at the very beginning. Let's let's start with that, you know? I mean, well, and to be fair, don't be hard on yourself because being in a relationship is so hard and no one knows how to do it. And especially because it's so confusing now because there's practical elements of it. There's realistic elements of it. There's like all this side of, well... Where do you live? Do I live in the same place? Do you want to live here? What kind of life do we want? Like all this like stuff that you don't want to think about. Right. You just want it to be, you just want to be swept away and have love take care of everything. Right. But that's just not how it works. Right. But then there is that magical love aspect side of it. So it's really tough to navigate. I think the more you know about yourself, probably the easier it is to to let people in. Yeah. Well, I think. And it's like, <laughs> obviously, I know nothing about vulnerability and dating, but emotional intimacy with others, I feel more equipped with in general. But it's like the thing I always, I think growing up and up until probably like 10 years ago, I was always like, I'm really good at vulnerability, you know, because like I don't have a problem sharing stories about my life. I'm pretty comfortable telling people things. But actually, it was when my dad passed away that I was like, oh, I guess it's not that I'm good at vulnerability. It's that I haven't really had anything inappropriately. So I haven't really had anything that felt vulnerable previously. Like I've just given people access to whatever and I called it vulnerability, but true vulnerability feels hard. Like it feels uncomfortable. Mm. It's not the oversharing Mm -hmm. feeling you have when you're using information about your life to try to get people to connect or to like you or to understand something. When you're you're crazy clowning, right. Right, right. True (laughs) vulnerability is the feeling of like, this is a really hard thing to share because it might lead to rejection. There's a risk involved. And so vulnerability, I think should always feel a little bit hard because it should involve that risk. And like, to me, I didn't, I think I didn't really understand that 
earlier in life. But when I did understand it was like, oh, well now I don't know how to do it. Cause as soon as I didn't want to do it, I didn't have any experience like pushing through that feeling. And so the two things mm-hmm. I would always try to do were one, make sure you have vulnerability that's proportionate to the relationship you're in, proportionate to the intimacy, mm. especially with the internet. People post things that are vulnerable content wise, but aren't vulnerable emotionally because they're just writing it in words. They don't have to like look at a person and say it to their face and like feel the feeling that you feel when you have to actually take a risk of rejection. That's like, I think not a healthy place or space for vulnerability because there isn't really, it's not true vulnerability. There isn't really the risk. And therefore there isn't the benefit of someone seeing you and saying, yes, I see that about you. And I want that. And I feel like there's this pressure. That's such an important distinction to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this pressure to get vulnerable really fast with random people because you'll see them and they'll be like, oh, I saw your dad died on Facebook. And it's like, oh my gosh, now that I'm seeing you in, in person, I realize you have access to this information about me that is deeply personal and we mm-hmm. barely know each other. And so now I feel pressured to talk to you about a thing that actually is vulnerable and it's not, the de- you haven't earned it. Like it's in a relationship, there has to be kind of that mutual trust. It's like, you show me you're trustworthy with this part of me, then I'll give you a little bit more. And we continue to grow that way. And so like this pressure to, to overshare early on, I think is just like vulnerability should take time. It should be proportional to the intimacy you have. And then it's like, when you get to that point, like after my dad died, I had friends in my life who we did have that relationship. It was appropriate to be vulnerable with them, but I still wasn't able to, I felt really shut down. And so what I would try to do is just take the one step I could take. Like I wasn't able to be like, Hey, here's how I'm feeling about my dad dying (laughs) because I didn't even know the answer to that question. But I was able to say Mm -hmm. to them like, oh man, I know that there are things I'm not saying and I don't know how to say them. Or I'd say like, oh man, Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time being vulnerable. And that in itself was enough vulnerability. Yeah, it it was enough to make me feel connected. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do the thing I can do. If there's a thing I'm I'm not able to share yet, I'm going to say, hey, I'm having a hard time sharing something. Like when I'm with my friends even now and I, I sometimes I get this weird disconnected homesickness almost feeling. And I've learned like the fastest way to get rid of it is turn to the person next to me if they're a really, really good friend and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm having that feeling. I'm not asking them to do anything about it. I can't make it go away. But just saying it is like suddenly you feel more known. You feel less isolated. You're about whoever you are. If you're having that feeling of like, I want to share with this person. They've proven they're worth it, but I can't bring myself to say the words. Then sometimes just saying like, man, I just, there's stuff I want to share with you. I'm just not ready, but I don't know why. Sometimes just saying that, will it make you feel super connected? That's the end of my vulnerability. Wow. Oh my gosh, Fabs. (laughs) That was such a good answer. I loved it so much. (laughs) (laughs) And that is such good advice. Yes. It's really hard. Yeah. Like you're saying, don't force yourself beyond, you know, but that is probably just being able to say, wow, I feel pretty shaky in yeah. this moment. Also, you can always turn to Brene Brown. I was, I was just about, about to say that. <laughs> yeah. She always says, embrace the suck, which I think is a good. Yeah. Like I try to remember that even in little situations, like at work or and I'm like, oh God, I don't want to look stupid. And then, she, you know, I just remember her saying, just embrace the suck. It's so true what you said, Fabs. It is. It's not going to feel easy. Right. It's going to feel hard. Right. I mean, she calls her book on vulnerability. I actually don't know if this is the one on vulnerability, but isn't it the bravery one? Like she calls it courage to be vulnerable because it is a scary feeling. And like for all of the 
earbuds listening or the past fabs listening, like that feeling of like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at vulnerability. That actually probably means you're not doing it. Like it is, it, it should be a thing that's like, sort of like in when Ned Ard in Game of Thrones is like, hey, the only time you can be brave is when you're scared. It's like the only time you can mm. actually be vulnerable is when it's hard to be vulnerable. That's the only place that vulnerability actually lives where there's fear of rejection. Right. That's what it means. It looks like right. it's a risk and it should feel like a risk. Oh my gosh. And Fabs, we're so similar, I feel. That's exactly, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm super, I share shit all the time and I'm always blabbing on to every single person I know about <laughs> yeah, blah, 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 blah. Totally. But then when, yeah, when it comes to like being with yeah. one person yeah. in a moment yeah. and, and oh my God, yeah. it is, it's so hard. It's so hard. Every time. Yeah. I was like, oh, I've never but had it's this like such, before. It's like the most important work yeah, do, it is. You know? It is. And it's like the root of a relationship. I don't even think I probably couldn't even say to my own sister, I feel I I'm having trouble being myself around you. Yeah. I don't have to worry about her listening to this because she doesn't listen. Right. But <laughs> but even if you did, it's so much easier to say it here. It's so much easier to say it looking at a person or talking about a person who's not in the room. It's so much easier to type it on mm-hmm. the Internet. It's so much easier to say it to mm-hmm. a screen. True vulnerability is like when there's a physical person present and you're talking to them about them, about the relationship you have, you have to give up that codependency of like managing how they feel. And you have to tell the truth, even if it might hurt them, even if it might hurt you. That's what vulnerability is. It's like Mm -hmm. that risk between the two of you. It involves another person. And I think we found a way to get the feeling of intimacy without the act and the work of vulnerability. That's, you know, sort of what this whole internet phenomenon is. It's like, I can feel connected to these people without ever having to do the work of sitting there across the table from them and telling them they hurt my feelings and watching them respond to that and me having to navigate conflict. And it gives you the payoff of intimacy, but it's not real. It's not true. It's not born out of true vulnerability, you know, and it's never going to hold up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Fab, you should write a book about this. This is amazing. <laughs> I think, Truly, I think like, pretty I'm sure I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I notice like a lot of my friends and I do this to occasionally also will have these like big, long, serious text conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like that is no way to have a con- I, mean, I know. A- a hard conversation needs to be done face to face. Right. Like, or I'm even sorry, a, I will not- a loving conversation. Like I have so many friends who can't look at you and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for you. I love you. But they'll leave the situation and they'll send these amazing text messages, but they wouldn't be able to like look at you and say like, I'm proud of you or like, how is awesome? Mm-hmm. Like, because it feels too vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, you know what? We need to do an episode on vulnerability. I oh think my we gosh, have maybe, but we should do another. I one. I <laughs> would love that. Let's do an episode on vulnerability while Hannah's on book tour. Okay, <laughs> or let's with her, it. Hannah Especially Hart. Because we'd love for you Hannah to be a part of it. That's true. I think if Hannah Hart has, you know, that's something she struggles with as well. Yeah, but she's done a lot of work on. I think, and so she's like, you know, mm-hmm. practiced it, and it's so interesting because it's like different things are hard for everybody differently, right? Like there are pieces of vulnerability that are easier for me with certain kinds of people or certain mm-hmm. relationships. And then there are some people that it's like for the life of me, it's like, it's not even that I can't tell them what I really feel. It's that around them, I can't even feel what I really feel because on a subconscious level, I'm already adapting and adjusting to avoid actually having to have any kind of conflict, you know? 
God, that is just freaking wild. It's wild. Humans are wild. <laughs> we are. We're Whoa. very complicated. No creatures. wonder you're a therapist. You're <laughs> so good at this, Fabs. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yay, well, Anna Gals, we say, did it. We did it. I am 12 minutes over my lunch break, so I should probably get back to work. But this was so lovely. It was lovely. Thank you so much, earbuds, for sending in your questions and for continuing to listen and support us. Please, crazy clown people you know into subscribing and listening if they haven't already. We would love that. Yes. (laughs) You're the best. And I am very much looking forward to recording more in the future. Yes. And patrons, if you did not get your questions answered today, you can hop into our Discord chat and we'll have a live stream coming up here in a little bit and a Discord chat as well. You can ask all of your fun questions. And if you want to be a part of that, you can become a patron. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. One more thing is on my to-do list this weekend is set up the P.O. box for the podcast. And since we don't officially have an official official sign off, I'm just going to say take care. We love you. Love yourself. Eat potatoes. <laughs> the Great Gatsby's dumb. <laughs> and let it be. <laughs> and let and let it be. I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye guys. Bye.